This morning, the theme of our service is The Dream Remains Worthy with Reverend Gordon Clay Bailey. Reverend Bailey has served our faith for over 25 years now. His various stops in ministry include his present call to ministry at UUCLV in Las Vegas, the Unitarian Universalist Church of the Verdugo Hills in La Crescenta, California, California, and CCNY, Community Church of New York. Reverend Bailey is a board-certified clinical clinical chaplain and pastoral counselor with the College of Pastoral Supervision and Psychotherapy, an organization with which he is seeking diplomate status. He is also a candidate at the Harlem Family Institute for Certification in Psychotherapy. Do y'all believe that there is more love somewhere? I sure hope so. I need you all to believe that because If you don't believe it as Unitarian Universalists, what are we doing here now? Why are we even together? This isn't about just a a bunch of liberal to progressive people who like to do coffee talk, is it now? We came together for reasons. The Cambridge platform, the principles and purposes, we're supposed to be on fire for something. And I'm not talking like my Baptist brethren. I'm talking about on fire for justice. So I'm on fire and I'm going to get down and I'm going to share with you a few thoughts. And I'm going to set my timer because I could get long-winded. So here, let me get going. I started out in Unitarian Universalist ministry believing that the groundwork of justice had been done already. I believe that Dr. King and all the civil rights workers and the civil rights legislation of the 1960s had secured for the American people essentially the dream. Well, it's time to take a look at those things again. And it's time to look at how our congregations participate in creating the dream, living the dream, whose dream is it, all of that. So I believe that we have the best thing in organized religion. I bet many of you believe it too. That's why you're here. But there's more to this thing than just being able to say, well, I'm an atheist that likes to hear some kind of spiritual discourse and it kind of feeds me, but I'm, you know, those theists, oh, no. There's a reason why we come together. And I believe our ministry And all of you are ministers, whether we're called as an ordained minister or we're lay ministers, have some real work to do. Hands and feet on the ground, getting the job done to make this beloved community a reality. So during my time through the endless journey towards becoming a minister and serving in nine congregations over these 20 some years, 25, 26 years now, I started to feel that maybe, just maybe, we were doing things not so right. Hmm? Um, The Baha'i who have been here less than a quarter of the years we've been in the United States have many more people than us. Um, Jehovah's Witness, um, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Here we are 300,000 plus strong when we ought to be 30 million strong. So we're not getting this thing right. It's not that our philosophy, our ideation, our spirituality isn't right. There's something about the individualism and our proximity to the pulse of the people that's not connected to the widespread 
you know, the multiplicity of the American people. But this dream of Dr. King's, I think, is a vehicle for us to use. I think the dream remains worthy because it's not about little children of any ethnic variety you want to name. Um, Laotians and Latinx playing together. Let's get past that nonsense. If you live in a lily white community, I don't expect you to have people of color in your congregation. I don't expect your children to go to school with children of a multiplicity of colors. But if you live in the contextual places where the global majorities of people reside, why aren't they in our congregations and why aren't they part and parcel of everything we do? I've had the good fortune to be exposed to some of the greatest minds within Unitarian Universalism. I worked with Reverend Dr. Forrest Church at All Souls in New York, and I've worked with Richard Gilbert, who had an amazing congregation in Rochester, New York, and has written eloquently about the prophetic imagination. If you don't know Reverend Dr. Richard Gilbert, get to know him. I've heard Marilyn Sewell, am I saying her name right? She's brilliant. And she was up there in your part of the world, right? Somewhere up there, maybe she was important. Donald Harrington in New York. And and, and all the other great preachers, because I lived in D.C. And if you're ever in D.C., go to the Howard Divinity School Chapel. The greatest preachers in the history of America, whether it was Billy Graham or Adam Clayton Powell Jr., preached at the Howard University Divinity Chapel. If you want to hear eloquent preaching, like par excellence, like, yo, they're bad, they're good, they're everything. So Bill Schultz, John Burens. William Sinkford, my mentor, Peter Morales, he's living somewhere up in your neck of the woods, I believe, somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. Susan Frederick Gray, we've had leaders that were leading and pushing and trying to pull, trying to pull this downtrodden denomination with us. And I say downtrodden because we're stuck. We're stuck at 300,000. Again, 3 million, 30 million. Why aren't we there? And the dream. I don't know of any you, you that would say that Dr. King's dream isn't worthy, isn't valuable, isn't needed now more than ever. And yet here we are. I'm looking at the faces here. You beautiful you, you's. And I don't see any diversity or I, I don't mean there's no diversity, but um, there's a paucity of melanin. All right. Let's put it that way. Whether it's a brown or yellow or red or you know, this is a nice white crowd. Hell, I've been here so long, I've become white. I was a nice black guy once, but I lost my color serving this white denomination. It's funny, but it really isn't. Let me tell you about this thing of mine. My cousin, my uncle cousin, I don't know, maybe he's both a cousin and an uncle. Because in Jamaica, we the royal family, sometimes we... We, we mix it up a little bit. You know how the royal family behave. Married cousin, uncle, kissing this one, that one. Anyway, Egbert Ethelred Brown, the first black Unitarian minister. That's my family. And his story ought to be made into a tragic movie because his journey with our faith was horrific. He found Unitarianism while living on the Isle of Jamaica. Beautiful and, and poverty-stricken. But he had a dream and he wrote the American Unitarian Association back in 
15 and 9, saying he wanted to become a UU minister. Well, not UU, Unitarian minister. They said, no, there's no need. There's no Negroes in Unitarianism. You all can't understand us. We're too philosophically gifted. Oh, the letters are available. Hmm. It wasn't a proud moment for us. But he kept writing. He was persistent, right? Like civil rights fighters, like 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 the people that fight for justice. You, you got to keep pushing and striving. Eventually, he goes to Meadville Seminary. He gets ordained, works in New York. He opens up a congregation in Harlem. Langston Hughes went there. County Cullen went there. If you know anything about the Harlem Renaissance, huh? The who's who of the Harlem Renaissance attended Egbert's congregation. Nevertheless, he dies penniless, his family's broken, and it's a real sad story. My father was a member of that congregation. He found Unitarianism when he came to New York, first at the community church in New York, and then in Harlem with, with Egbert Ethelred Brown's congregation. My sister was a DRE at Fourth Universalist. They used to call it the landmark on the park. More people rented it for their fabulous affairs than there were UUs in the building. In fact, that may still be the case because we don't know how to grow even in the most populated city in the country. My brother was the president of his UU congregation in Cleveland Heights. We're a family dedicated to this faith, and yet the faith remains problematic. Despite the journey towards wholeness, despite the fact that we say Black Lives Matter, despite this and that and everything we try to do, we're still almost the whitest denomination known in the nation. There are more Black Mormons percentage-wise than there are Black UUs. People, what are we doing wrong? Well, I'm going to tell you. This notion of proximity troubles me. Now, I don't know where your congregation is, but Seattle has a people of color populace. Is there a UU congregation ensconced in the area where the people of color live? I don't know your community. My congregation in Las Vegas is in a predominantly people of color community, but there were few people of color there when I got here. But guess what? There are more people of color in that congregation than any of the seven congregations I served. Community church had a good representation and all souls in DC was almost 50% black when I served there in 2000 as the pastoral care minister. But folks, we're doing something wrong. We don't send people to the people of color seminaries to even teach them about Unitarian Universalism. Typically in, in, in Christian textbooks, they don't bring us up. And so if they're not teaching about Unitarians or Universalists within a seminarian's um, educational paradigm or, or context, why would any of these would-be clergy members even know we exist? We're not in the communities of color. Our service committee, I love them. I hope they're going to go back to Haiti. We need to be permanently in Haiti. Haiti is one disaster after another, and they need help desperately. But our service committee has been more focused on going abroad than setting up in Watts. 
then setting up in South Central, then setting up on the west side of Las Vegas, then setting up in Harlem, then setting up in upstate New York where my family has a farm and the poor white folks there don't know anything about us either. See, because typically we're a very upper middle class, middle class group of people. And poor whites don't even know about us. Heck, they, if they did, they'd probably call us heathens. Dear friends, Dr. King's dream remains worthy, and I'm going to give you just a few bits of why it remains the worthiest of things to me. The UUA and the United States of America have been following what I would call a parallel process almost. As the United States grows, so is our association. As the United States changes itself and morphs into a more perfect union, you know, we got a lot of morphing to do, but we keep moving towards that perfection. The UUA has gotten more perfect. Peter Morales may not be the Latinx person that I was looking for. I would like J-Lo from the Bronx, you know, a woman of color to be our UUA president. But Peter as a white Latino, that was a good opportunity for us. But our Latinx population didn't grow. Hmm, why? We've got to find our ways into where the Latinx population is and do bilingual services and be on the ground in those communities. But it's a worthy goal as their population is the most expansive one in our nation. We should be on the ground building after school programs and a senior day programs and doing things that would engage the Latinx populace. Bill Sinkford, my mentor, lovely colored man, black man. Well, we got Barack Obama in the nation. Parallel, right? But what happened? Obama didn't make my life as a black man any better. He may have made my children's perception of what was possible better. And for all that Bill Sinkford did, I'm not sure that he brought in any large number of black folks. Because again, the issue is the proximity. Where are we? Who are we connected to? What places are do we value as you use? How about Hillary? Well, well, we almost had Hillary. We should have had Hillary. And we've got Susan. Well, Susan did her ministry down in Arizona, and Susan goes to the border, and Susan Frederick Gray is awesome. And she could lead this nation of ours, I believe, if we had the sense to elect someone of her kind to a national office. But at least we as an association elected her, and we pushed the envelope. I want us to understand that that Latinx population that we need so desperately to be the worker bees in this nation, we as UUs need to figure out a way to offer programming and things that would make the dream of a post-Christian reality for those Latinx people come true by showing them there's a different way. They never heard of us worse than Black folks. They don't know of us. They don't know we exist. So dare you use. There's an unpleasant question that I want to ask. 
And I know we like to bring out the Dr. King Sunday, and I know we like to team up with some AME or Black Baptist congregation somewhere in our vicinity, maybe once a year. That's typical UU stuff. But what are you going to do to change the lives of any Black folks in the greater Seattle area? Is that where you're near? Is Seattle somewhere, right? What will you do? Will you send some black youth to GA to expose them to what our association is or send them to a summer camp? How will we begin to bring people along? See, I'm from the generation of people that said, you don't go forward without reaching back, right? I'm always trying to bring somebody with me as my life has expanded and grown in a multiplicity of ways. So what do we as UUs do? You know, Dr. King is famously quoted as saying, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. But the reality is, is Dr. King knew about Theodore Parker. Why did Dr. King know about Theodore Parker? Well, A, he was brilliant. B, he spent a number of years in Boston going to Unitarian and Universalist congregations. C, he and Coretta both told people that they were intellectually, philosophically, theoretically you, you, but they had to stay where they were for cultural reasons. And I found the letter at All Souls in D.C. that the church offered Dr. King that historic pulpit just blocks from the White House. Imagine we had had Dr. King as the head of one of our most dynamic congregations or as the president of the association, how our nation might have changed in different ways. We were close, but we didn't get there. But dear brothers and sisters, if you'll take up the cause and create a, a, a partnership with somebody in Haiti or in Jamaica or in South Central or wherever your people of color communities are, and whatever you're doing, you got to do more because this is one of the whitest Zoom pages ever. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you got to do more. To the end that I close this out, Stacey Abrams, we know the Voting Rights Act is under siege. You use, you you to vote. Well, you you to vote to make sure this thing remains viable. That the dream of all those dreamers that fought, Viola Luzo or James Reed, good white folks and multiplicities of black and brown folks who have died for a worthy cause to make America great is to finally make America live up to what it says it is, not the Hippocratic nonsense that we live with on a daily basis. So let's go, people. Are you with me? We can make this happen. We can partner up with one another. We can show there is more love, a depth of love. There is more love somewhere. Amen.